There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly show where we talk about the ins, outs, ups and downs of work and give you some ideas for action, some tools to try out and a little bit of squiggly support along the way. And this week we're talking about top tips for interviews. And actually Helen and I are in the same room today and whenever we're sitting across from each other I always feel a bit like I'm being interviewed for this podcast. Yeah, I it always feel feels giggly. Quite... That's a different dynamic. I feel excited and you feel like intimidated. <laughs> yeah, well there you go. That tells you everything you need to know, oh, doesn't it? Oh god. And I know that some of you will be listening because you've got an interview coming up. So we are going to do our best to really help you do well in that experience. But some of you might be listening thinking, I haven't necessarily got an interview coming up. Maybe you've just got an important conversation. You can also interview now, I think, in Squiggly Careers for so many more different things. So it might not always be a job role. It could be um, a more informal conversation about being part of a network. It could be for a role as a trustee or a non-exec. It might be that you're applying for a learning opportunity or sort of pitching for something in your organisation. And I think a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, it's sort of that high-pressure conversation I also think with interviews, one of the challenges is we don't get that much practice. So it's not like we are having these conversations week in, week out. And so that's why they feel like such a high pressure moment that matter, because suddenly we're in this sort of slightly unusual, high stress, high adrenaline situation where we're trying to be brilliant. So we know that and we're going to try and make it a little bit easier for you. And if you are a regular Squiggly Career listener, you may remember that back in 2018, we recorded in episode 41, a previous episode on interviews, which we've gone back and listened to. And this is different because it's much more top tippy. Um, so should you wish to listen to us quite a long time ago, yeah. please do. Um, a younger us. A younger us. Now we're more cynical and experienced in the world of Squiggly Careers. But yeah, this one is particularly tippy to help you if you're in that moment where you're thinking an interview is impending. So we're going to divide it into three parts. Part one, getting ready for your interview. Part two, in the moment of your interview. And part three, reflecting after your interview. And we've both reflected on our own experiences of lots of different interviews in our squiggly careers, some more successful than others, I think it's fair to say. What's the last interview that you had? Last sort of interview that I probably would label as an interview was going for a non-executive role. And that one did feel like an interview that I didn't get. Mm-hmm. And then I've sort of had a more f- informal interview that I think I realised after the fact <laughs> was an interview that I did get. So, you know, it just shows you 
hopefully these skills are helpful all the time. What about you? I was just thinking about the informal interviews. I do think a lot of the time you're like, oh, like even when you put yourself forward for a project or something or you're pitching, you're kind of like, the questions that I'm being asked are totally yeah, 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 yeah. I think the most like official recent interview I had was for the EY Winning Women programme that I had. And I just remember, I'm not sure it was my best interview. And I was really, really, really keen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I got it, which is great. But I think I was talking about our business, which I'm obviously just over enthusiastic about anyway, because I just think it's the best thing ever, and I really wanted to go on the program. I mean, ultimately, I got it, which is great. But I think, on reflection, I think I probably should have moderated some of my enthusiasm um, in that interview. But you know, we'll see. it's interesting, isn't it, as well? Because I think back to that interview where I didn't get that role for, um, it was a non-exec role, and actually, I think I did really well in that interview. I came out thinking I did my absolute best. I tried, I prepared, I'd done lots of things we're going to talk about today. And I got very, very positive feedback afterwards. I just, there was basically just someone better. And you know, like that does, it's obviously a bit gutting. And I was still really disappointed because I really love the organisation and I would have loved the role. But ultimately there was sort of nothing I could have changed about me and my interview. I sort of felt like I came away giving it everything I'd got, I showed up in the way that I wanted to. I got great rapport with all the people. And it was it was scary. It was really formal. Four people sitting in a line, apprentice start interviewing you. And so I actually look back on that and feel good about myself rather than feeling like, oh, I, I sort of failed that interview. And we're not going to assume everyone that you're going to fail an interview. Well, hopefully these tips are going <laughs> to help you. But just on Sarah's framing there, I think it is when you don't get an interview you want, I think you can come away and go, oh, there was obviously someone better. But I wonder whether saying to yourself someone was a better fit is better than saying mm. there was someone better because... well I know who got that role because it's like a public thing yeah. and I looked I was like sure <laughs> yeah I think a better fit doesn't mean better than you it just yeah. means a better fit for that role and I think that that can be an easier outcome I think to identify with that someone was a better fit rather than just someone's better than you so part one getting ready start by doing your research so I happened to be in a room yesterday with quite a lot of recruiters And then it occurred to me over lunch that we were doing this podcast. So suddenly I got very intense in my questions. And I was like, right, what are your top tips? And I started making notes in my phone. And one of the things that they said that they're always surprised that people don't do or don't do enough of is just some research. And they weren't talking about like really in-depth research, but they were just saying, you know, make sure you understand trends, what's going on in the industry, and sort of have a point of view that you can share and have a perspective. So, you know, just like making sure that you've read a bit, watched a bit, I don't know, know who the company's CEO is, read anything that they've shared publicly. So it feels, I think this feels like quite a basic thing and probably because I'm I'm quite a prepared person, so I can't imagine going for an interview without doing this. But they said they have loads of people who get asked questions, you know, what, what do you think are the challenges in our industry at the moment or... Like, what do you know about us? They even just asked that question. And they said people really flounder. And that's often asked at the start or mm. towards the start of an interview. And then you're sort of, you're not, you're not off to a great start. And I think some of the easiest ways of doing research are either ask somebody who has worked or works in an organisation. Mm, that's so always a good one. Those conversations sometimes give you some sort of secret nuggets of knowledge. On Google, put the company name in. 
and then look at news, news reports, like news reports in the last six months, and you'll see like any kind of big announcements they might have made. I look on LinkedIn as well under the company. It's quite interesting to see what people are sharing or what they're proud of or any particular yeah. events. And then obviously you can use something like ChatGPT. It does get a bit generic. So if, if I looked at, oh, what's happening at Virgin, you know, what's it like to work at Virgin or what's happening in Virgin's market, ChatGPT could probably summarise some of that stuff for you. But I would say that does get a bit more generic, whereas the news stories and individual yeah. people's posts so you get some quite specific insights from that stuff. So number two, again, relatively obvious, but think about what are the most obvious questions that people are likely to ask you and go beyond just identifying what they are, but practice saying them out loud. And I know it never, it always feels a bit weird and out of context, but if you don't do it, if you're someone like me, you think something through as you're talking and I don't think people need to see your workings out live during an interview. I think people are looking for clarity. You need to be relatively concise because you, you want to give them space to ask you a number of different questions. You want to make sure that you're not waffling. And you never know exactly what people are going to ask you. But a couple of things that I think typically come up, and again, a recruiter said this one to me, which I thought was um, very smart. She said, always make sure you just sort of know your narrative. So why are you interested in the role? Why are you a good fit for it? Obviously, that's a good opportunity to start sharing your strengths. They were saying to me, it's very rare that you have an interview where you don't get asked about something around like a challenge or an obstacle or a setback because, you know, people want to see how do you deal with stuff when things don't go well. And actually, I did then put into chat GPT, what are the most common interview questions? And you get a really good list. And I think I got 16 very quickly. And I just thought all of those make sense. If you've worked those things through, you might not get asked those exact questions but you'll probably get asked something along those lines. And then the final thing is make sure you've got some thoughtful questions ready to go. One of the things that surprised me when I was having these conversations yesterday, they said that they've not been sure about someone until they ask some very good questions at the end. And it's an opportunity towards the end, which is what people remember, recency bias, like for you to sort of stand out or if you feel like maybe you had a few things that weren't quite so good, you've got this sort of moment where you can have a really good impact And it's often useful to not do the kind of obvious ones, but to try and be a bit more maybe strategic. So show that you've really done your research. If it's not come up so far, ask something about like, oh, I noticed that the company's been posting on LinkedIn a lot about the importance of age diversity at work. I find that really interesting, you know, like trying to sort of connect some dots. And I think people often be impressed by that. And then I think it is nice to ask something a bit more specific to the person you're talking to. So oh, I'd be really interested just to know a bit more about what you really enjoy about the role that you do, just because that gives you an insight into culture. But I'm not sure I'd want to say, what's the culture of the company? Because then you get the sort of standard answer or the what's in the annual report answer. I also think you're not in control of every question they're going to ask you. So you might not be able to, you know, have your perfectly prepared responses for those things. But the perfectly prepared questions do give you a bit of that. You can sort of have that impact that you want because you've got those questions sort of at the ready. On the point of preparing, I had a brilliant Mm. night last night. I uh, I did some interviews. That's why I should actually, my most recent interview... Was the one you did last night that you were WhatsApping me about. You were like, I've just interviewed as the CEO for Microsoft. Oh my gosh, everyone. I've got a brilliant bit of software for you. Udly, that's Y-O-O-D-L-I dot A-I, not sponsored, uh, is a if great only, tool. If only we actually sorted out a sponsorship. If only we ever did that on our actual <laughs> podcast. Is absolutely brilliant. So you go on and last, you put in, you can put what job? So I just put in CEO of Microsoft for a bit of a joke, to be honest. So you can put what job and what company? 
And then it basically asks you questions that you would likely get in that interview. So a speaker comes on, like one of the questions that I got was, how would you foster a culture of innovation and creativity within a company? I mean, I, I'm suddenly just, I just, I just answer the question. So you're on, you're on camera and it's recording you and you're just saying your answer and it asks you about three questions. So I think I was talking in total for about two and a half minutes. Three okay, questions. not too long then. No, it says, you know, 45 seconds each. And then it, what it then does is it saves all your answers and it gives you feedback. So I've got, um, like, for example, feedback on question four. Great job addressing the different metrics to measure success. Overall, your answer demonstrates a structured and strategic approach. And then it says, consider the following. Try to speak more confidently I avoid using filler words and that all my answers it's given me live feedback and then you get loads of analytical stuff like what percentage of fillers how many weak words did you use how concise were you mm-hmm. I think this is a brilliant low pressure way to practice because I yeah. think if the only time you practice is in an interview situation that's yeah. quite a high pressure moment for loads of different reasons and I think using a tool like this will it will really help you to refine your responses. Super useful. And I guess if you're someone like me where you might sometimes dive a bit too deeply into things, you could get a bit preoccupied with, well, I'm going to practice until I have no filler words. And obviously that's not the aim for practicing, for low pressure practice. So what you're not trying to do is like the perfect interview. I think it's just the nature of saying things out loud. And actually probably what Helen's described feels more interview like as a scenario or a situation than just saying it out loud to yourself like Mm. honestly in the past when I've um, prepared for interviews I've literally just sat in a room and said stuff out loud which just feels quite out of context at least if you're talking to a screen you might be having a remote interview I mean you're actually getting some feedback and coaching and I think that's probably one thing that you don't get when you're when you're doing it on your own the last tip on this section of getting ready is to work out your interview watch outs so that sort of pressure in an interview can trigger lots of things that can sometimes get in the way of our impact so for example maybe um that nervousness might result in you talking too fast or maybe you talk too much Maybe you're a bit unspecific and waffly, like maybe the ums and ers and all those sorts of things creep in. Maybe uh, that nervousness means you get defensive when people question you for a bit more, a bit more detail or a bit more data. Maybe you get a bit fiddly with your hands, you know, and you're, you're, you're like rubbing your hands together or doing whatever you do. And it's nerves are normal. But we do want to work out what those watchouts might be because they will potentially get in the way of the message that you're trying to trying to sort of share with somebody. You don't you don't want that. So knowing in advance means that you can kind of just do something different. So maybe maybe you sit on your hands, or if you talk too fast, maybe you do a bit of breathing, or maybe you talk too much, you ask a question rather than keep going with your conversation. What what do you think your biggest interview watchout is? The more nervous I am, the less I listen which is problematic when it comes to an interview. Um, And I definitely have learned that the hard way. So I think I just know that about myself. And also because I prepare a lot, I've got things I want to say. And you're like, yes, but that might not be what people want to hear. And so I, I sort of have to go into an interview sort of, almost letting go of my preparation and be like right very present Mm. so there's a bit about preparation versus present so I'm like right I've got to be in the moment and listen. If I am figuring something out, I repeat myself. And sometimes it's fine because, you know, you're having a conversation or you and I are chatting about something. But in an interview, if you do that frequently, that could get distracting, a bit annoying. You're like, well, I heard you the first time. I didn't need you to say that exact same thing again. I was listening to myself, which I very rarely do, on the podcast the other week. 
because I wanted to listen to the guest. I didn't want to listen to myself particularly. And I heard myself do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. And it was clearly because I was thinking something through. That's so, so brutal, isn't it, when you listen mm, to yourself? Very like, brutal. And then I can talk too much, which is probably linked to the repeating yourself. So, you know, just going on a bit too long. You know, the whole, like, say what you want to say and then stop. I, I sort of always have that in my mind. The, the confidence to stop talking. Mm. I think mine is, um, I know that sometimes my energy and enthusiasm and excitement can sometimes be a bit overwhelming, like, because I just start with it. And so... I don't let let anyone warm up. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. A bit like, whoosh. (laughs) What's what's happening? A bit of that. And then sometimes I think I can also, I can sometimes stop too soon. Like when I've said something, I'm like, that's all I've got to say. I'm like, (laughs) done. done. You're like the opposite to me. Yeah, I've said it. Done. I've got the job. Would you like to talk any more about that? I'm like, no, no, I have said my point. I think sometimes I've got this weird mixture of like I talk really fast with lots of energy and then just then stop once I've said it I've said it really abrupt <laughs> yeah a little bit too abrupt <laughs> so yeah it's a fire when we've actually got a job yeah. <laughs> well, we, we employ each other basically that's yeah like... <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's why <laughs> maybe we should interview each other <laughs> and one of the things that we've both used is so you've sort of prepared for your interview so you're getting ready you've done your research you've practiced your questions you've thought about your interview watchouts I think it is really useful to then just think I'm not trying to be everything to everyone and what I'm trying to do is be me as best as I can be in what is a difficult situation and say how do I want to show up and just have three words that you sort of take into the interview with you so I always think oh if I am optimistic considered and committed if that's what people said about me as a result of spending time with me I would feel really good about my impact in that interview I might not get the job but if I didn't do those things, I think I would be disappointed in myself. What are your three words, Helen? Um, I'd want people to think that I was positive, that I was very driven, and that I was someone that can like change things. You bring me in if you want a catalyst, a transformative change person. Oh, well, I would say those things are true. Oh, well, you too. Sorry, <laughs> and you. <laughs> I feel like you probably don't give people any choice, right? Because you're like, you go in with so much energy. You're like, I will transform I will you. This and I'll you. just get started, shall I? <laughs> just, just show me the way to the door right now. I would say it's just easier to say yes to you and just be like, sure. <laughs> Off you go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST.
So part two, in the moment. So you're now in your interview. And the first point we want to make, as we talked about already or briefly mentioned, is around listening. I do think it is very easy to be distracted by how you're feeling, the fact you're nervous, you're hot, you're sweaty, meeting people you've probably never met before. You know, that there is an awful lot to sort of overwhelm your brain and your senses. And so really make sure you listen to what people are asking you and answer the question, because if you try to do something different, then it's just so obvious. I think it's just really clear you've either gone, I'm just going to ignore that question, And it just sort of shows that you're not sort of making that effort, I think, to really understand what's important. You're sort of going, this is important to me, but it's not important to you. That's not what that's not what someone has asked you. And I think if you really struggle with this or if you know you just find it hard to concentrate, I think it's absolutely fine to scribble some stuff down. I think it's fine to have a notebook. And as you're listening to the question, scribble down a couple of key words that you might want to refer back to. It's easier and less intimidating to do with virtual interviews as well. Yes. I think, you know, if you're in an in-person interview, yeah. have you got that desk and that, you've got to get your stuff out, don't you, yeah. on the table, the room you're in. Whereas virtually, I think it becomes really easy just to have a, you know, pen and paper next to you and sort of less intimidating to do that. And I think just remind yourself, it is okay to take a pause before responding. So if you do need some time to think, you can say it out loud I'm just going to take a moment to think a bit about that and then you can sort of say what you think I actually did do that in that interview to be fair the one I didn't get but there was one question where I thought that is not an easy question and I they are asking for my point of view and I've got a few thoughts but I just need to collect my thoughts I only but I did need a couple of seconds and I was really glad that I did that I think I was better because of it so it's okay I think just to slow down you know just to give your brain that moment to get a bit of clarity to be like what's my best example or what's the thing that I really want to say you know like if you rush in you might sort of miss that brilliant thing that you want to say the second thing on when you're kind of in in the interview that's really useful is mirroring and this is one that I have to work on this is why I sort of need this, the self-awareness of what are my watch outs because mirroring is where you create connection by sort of adapting your approach to meet and match somebody else's and you're not trying to copy them you're not trying to be inauthentic but what you are trying to do is sort of meet them where they are so for example I know that that energy and enthusiasm I have means that I talk too fast but if I was sort of being interviewed by Sarah that wouldn't be a very good approach for me because Sarah is not super super pacey in a conversation she's thoughtful reflective you're quite pausy your questions are considered and so if I was in an interview with Sarah Sarah's interviewing me it would be much better for me to mirror Sarah's pace rather than just be like I'm enthusiastic energetic Helen and here's me who I am much more effective to sort of think okay well Sarah's say a little bit quieter there's more pauses there's more consideration so how can I adapt my approach to mirror some of those behaviors and it isn't necessarily just about the conversational pace it could be about the types of things they talk about Sarah would as an example would talk more about stories for example for a very people orientated also quite future orientated like where is it going what could this look like kind of more visionary whereas I've worked with other people in other organizations who are much more data driven like what's the impact what's the stats or or much more commercial uh, what was the value of that opportunity and just recognizing pretty quickly what are some of the behaviors or the words or the way that that person is engaging in this interview and thinking well what could I adapt to just mirror some of that it will help you um, just find that point of connection in the conversation that might lead to a better interview outcome. So when you are structuring your answers I do think it's helpful to have a bit of a default for 
how am I going to share what I've done and how am I going to try and bring those examples to life now you might be amazing at this naturally in which case brilliant but I I would always want to have a bit of a structure in mind partly because it'll stop me waffling and also probably also help me to stop talking because otherwise I'll just keep describing and then I think it can get a bit boring so maybe think about this a story a stat and a so what so your story is what happened just be careful you don't get overly descriptive, but you've got to give people enough context of, about the situation. I think it's useful to throw in a stat, but a stat doesn't always have to be numbers. It doesn't always have to be something kind of commercial. From and to is how I would often think about it. It's like, oh, from, we used to run workshops for 20 people and we now run workshops for 2,000 people. So I think a from and to can be useful. And then the so what is, I always think the bit that people care the most about. Because that's the sort of the ownable uniqueness that you can share. So what's the difference that it made? Why, why was it good that you were there, that you were the person doing that thing? And of course, you've always got to have a bit of a balance between the sort of the I and the we. But people are interviewing you. So I think you've got to figure out how you can talk about your experience in a way that feels right for you. Of course, you might recognise and acknowledge other people's contributions, But if there is one time to really talk about the impact that you have made and the things that you are good at and proud of, um, it's probably now. I wish I'd had that structure because I think I used an old one that was felt, I don't know, it didn't feel that human. I think story stats and so what's just feel like a very normal way to talk about it. And I think the more normal you can make this, you'll come across so much more natural and less nervous, I think, in the conversation. And it feels quite flexible. So to Helen's previous point, people could then ask follow-up questions and they could sort of go wherever they were interested. So I've gi- if I've given you a story as that and a so what, you might really want to dive into the so what now. Mm. Or you might go, oh, talk to me a bit about that from and to. Like, how did you get from the five to the 2,000? Like, how did you track those numbers? And you can also start to spot where are people going? What's the bit they're kind of most interested in? One thing to just note when you're giving people kind of answers about your experience is not to ignore the value of sharing your insights and ideas as well. So when you talk about those stories and stats, they're a little bit past focused. Like this is what I've done. This is what I have achieved. And there's definitely lots of value to that because it will indicate lots of your credibility for the job that you're going for. But actually what we also want people to do is see your potential beyond what you've already done. And that comes from the insights that you've got. Like this is what I know about this industry I think it's really interesting that that is happening for example that shows that you're curious that this is something you're actually quite passionate about and then those ideas because then you can say and one thing that I think could be really interesting to explore in the future is x y and z but I think when you're sharing experience insights and ideas that has a lot more value for that interviewer that you're offering more and you're also you're kind of much more unique as somebody in that moment than someone that's just talking about lots of things they've done before that that point in time and then finally, the interview's done. You're taking a deep breath. I feel um, like you're, that breath yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm remembering the ones that yeah. I've been in. I think if you can add in 30 minutes post an interview for you to reflect, it's a sort of quite an unusual moment where you can get some insights into you. And I think if you leave it, then often we sort of miss the moment and your memories are never that good. So, you know, if you can just keep your diary clear, if it's a virtual interview, or if you can go and get a coffee, if you've been somewhere and just ask yourself a couple of questions. And I would probably have these written down beforehand. So, cause I'm never going to remember them straight after interview. I'll be like, I don't want more questions. Yeah. So what are you proud of? 
So let's start with what like what went well and like it could have been an absolute car crash. I have had interviews that were absolute car crashes, but there's always something to be proud of. There'll have been something, even if you like made it through, made it through the moment. What questions surprised you? Good data for the future. What did you learn? And what are you even better if for next time? So you can do all of this for yourself. Might feel a bit like, oh, this is a bit intense to do straight after an interview, but I'm talking about 10 minutes of either just thinking about it or jotting down some notes really quickly. I did actually have an actual car crash after an interview did once. You? Because I was so, I mean, car crash sounds dramatic, but it was my interview for Capital One and it was so tense because it was one of those interviews where they put a whiteboard up. I mean, I half loved it and I was half like, oh. they gave you like a, one of those scenarios of like, it was like you're in Mumbai and you've got this much money and this much time oh, no. and there's a train, there's a car, there's a boat and you've got to get from here to there but there's this problem, Bridget, you know, all these things like, like I'm sorry, how I are you going to do it? How much, all that. And I just remember thinking, <laughs> like, I love those challenges but it was high pressure and there was also very high intellect in that organisation. Anyway, so I did the interview and then I think I was so tense when I came out. I just remember, you remember where Capital One is? Yeah, there's a station car him. park and at that point I drove a, um, what was called the golden bullet it was my granddad's nissan micro and i was so tense that i reversed out of that car park and like drove into somebody's boot <laughs> i was just so like i need to go so i actually i actually had a car crash and it would have been much better to sit and i do wonder if um i bet you everyone has a funny interview story like that because i was just thinking when we were at university together, we um, we did like in-company placements for a couple of years. And one of the ones that I interviewed for was Rolls-Royce. And they took you around their like museum, I think is probably a better word than factory. So it was like showing you like some of the engines and things. And my heel broke. And this was like the 90s where you sort of had to wear quite high heels for an interview, very old school. And the heel broke and went through my shoe, like into my heel so my shoe my shoe filled with blood so it was really bad and obviously they were like making you walk around this thing first so all I could think about in my interview and they were asking me questions about currency and stuff was like my shoe is definitely filling with blood and then I was like oh I'm gonna walk and they're just it's gonna like spill out and you know I mean I was like 19 and you know you're just thinking how has this happened to me? And they were asking like those kind of questions, which are not are not my favourite kind of questions. See, I got offered that a job, but I think they were so desperate for women. I think they were like, I'll take anyone. We'll take the one that was hobbling <laughs> around the museum. Yeah. Same, same, same time, Sarah and I have known each other for a very long time, but same time those interviews, I was being interviewed by a cause. And you know the informal interview situations? Oh, were you there for the dinner when I got everyone lost? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And I was do like... Actually, do you remember that I can I never go and work for cause because they make you go out and socialise and because it's a beer for anyone who doesn't, doesn't drink. And I was like, this is awful. I don't want to go and work somewhere really sociable. I just remember you being like getting. Your, oh, I, I loved it. But I got we everyone really lost friends in nothing. We weren't, we weren't friends. But when we, weren't, we weren't unfriends. We just weren't friends. Friends. Um, <laughs> and but I, I, we were in a, like an informal dinner out. Obviously, Awful. it was a job that was quite social. So that was part of what we were being interviewed about. And I just remember really confidently taking everybody the wrong way. I mean, I didn't really, in my head it was the right way, and then I got everyone <laughs> lost. And I think, but I just recovered really quickly. And I think they probably valued that because I did you get offered, offered that, the job. Didn't you? I, was I was the only person that got offered that job. I didn't want to do it on my own. 
Oh dear. Memories the joys, of the joys of interviews. Share. We would love to hear some oh, of your interview yeah. stories. Please, if you've got funny interview stories, email us Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com because it will be the most fun thing that lands in our inbox. Please. Also, share it makes them. you feel better about a bad situation, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so after you've done that reflection and you've not got a heel in your foot or crashed into a car, <laughs> um, send an email to say thank you. Just get in touch with the people you've had the interview with or the people that have been part of the process um, to thank them for their time. Also, if you've got any relevant links, I think often you come away and you think, oh, actually, on reflection, you, maybe you mentioned an article that you read that they didn't know about. Send that to them. Like, what have you got to lose by sharing some of those things? I think the best thing that you can come away with other than the job itself is a connection that can help in your career and it's that follow-up that will lead to those connections and we actually do have someone in our team now who didn't get a job the first time around did exactly that and then did get the job later on so um i've seen that work in practice and then final thing and i'm sure you would all do this and it doesn't always happen because not everybody has the capacity to do this but if you don't get the job See if, you, if they'll give you any feedback. It depends a bit on probably the type of job you're going for and how many people are going for it. But I always think the best interviewers and certainly organisations will try, if they can, to at least give you some pointers for feedback. And then that can just be really helpful for the future. I think it's hard, isn't it? Because people interview lots of people and they get lots of applications. But certainly I've had really good quality feedback previously from a couple of interviews that have really helped me for the future. So we will summarise all of those different tips for your interviews in the pod sheet, which you can get either in the show notes on Apple or head to our website, which is amazingif.com and go to the podcast page. Whilst you are there, you can also sign up for Podmail, which is a weekly email that goes out every Tuesday and it basically puts everything in one place. So you'll get the pod sheet there, you'll get the pod note, which is a swipeable summary. You'll get a video of the last pod plus that we did. That happens most Thursdays. And if you do want to come to a pod plus, you can find the link on our website amazingif.com and you can take part in the conversation that we will have about whatever topic we've been focusing on that week so thank you so much for listening if you do have an interview coming up we wish you so much luck we hope it goes well we know that they are hard we hope this has been helpful let us know let us know what we've missed or what else you think we should include um, so you can help to support other people in their squiggly careers but that's everything for this week and we're back with you again soon bye for now bye everyone Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.